1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. And
0: welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 176, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and today, once again, we have a very special guest, 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, how you doing?
1: What's going on? How are we doing today?
0: I'm doing splendid. Uh, I'm doing great in the process of bringing up uh, Christmas ornaments, Christmas decorations. I think it's the perfect time to do it. That's my own personal take. I know some people get very offended. I don't know what it is about people repping Thanksgiving or repping that no man's land in between like the the Halloween and people, I don't know, bring like a cornucopia up to put on you, put in your living room. Who gives a shit about that? We don't, we don't want that. We're all going to Christmas here. So we're in, we're in that process. Uh, how's everything going on with you?
1: You got to respect the holidays, man. You can't just be skipping them based on whether, whether or not you want to observe them, man. There's like three more holidays between now and Christmas. You are jumping the gun, sir. You can't be doing that here.
0: No there's, no, there's nothing good in between that. I mean, like, what are we talking about? Like Thanksgiving.
1: We you got we don't, Thanksgiving. We don't even, you got a long weekend. when You got Veterans Day. You got. Uh, that is true. It makes me
0: sound like I don't like the troops. We have to. That's what I'm uh, saying. Like you're letting your scrub dis- this audio.
1: You're letting your disdain of the of the foul bird, uh, really ruin everything. No, I I for me honestly, uh, I am in a relationship where uh, Christmas is very popular. And for one person, and it's not as popular for the other. Not to say I don't like it, but um, the whole idea of, all right, Halloween's over, do the house completely over. It was never me. I never grew up in that kind of home, I feel. So when someone does it to me, it's like Alien. I'm like, well, how are you doing that? What are you talking about? We put ours up, you know, Christmas uh, Eve, Eve, I'm pretty sure. No, not that late. But but nevertheless, I, I respect your willingness for Christmas. I just think you are you are leveling up my friend
0: yeah no i mean we'll know from next time we record an episode next week i'll make sure like mariah carey's not blasting in the background or the christmas tree in the back i won't have that so i'll i'll tone it down and make sure the the studio set i won't have like tinsel hanging off the the fan or anything like that so i'll rule it in a little bit just for the podcast but Uh, Good to know where exactly you stand on that. Um, But as we continue to, you know, maybe we'll shift on from talking about the holidays. I know a YouTube commenter last week was incensed that we talk about Halloween candy, the gall of us doing that. So let's get right into the nitty gritty uh, of the the Boston Bruins and look at this team. You know, once again, a really tough test down in Dallas against a very good Dallas-style team with a pretty depleted roster. If you're the Bruins, come away with a 3-2 win. Again, wasn't pretty when you look at uh, what they had to do when you have such a a shorthanded decor, especially. I think it's going to be what most of these games are going to be in terms of these uh, protecting one goal leads late, uh, critical face-offs in your own zone, all that fun stuff that makes, I think, a lot of writers uh, stress out night in and night out when you're trying to hit deadline on a few stories. But, uh, again, this team seems to continue to have that metal uh, and will to – kind of grind out these wins, get two points against really strong teams. And uh, lots to talk about with this game, especially with the younger players. But I think the the top player from that game last night, or, or on Monday night rather, was Jeremy Swayman, 35 saves, he's got a 9.52 save percentage uh, so far this year, which I think leads the NHL amongst goalies with at least five starts. Um, he's been tremendous uh, this year out of the gate. Um, and what I've seen a lot, tie over the last – couple you know week or so especially with Swayman on this heater people bringing up the same thing with the the goalie tandem and the rotation and when they're going to deviate from it and, and what exactly um the long-term plan is for this Bruins team this year I wouldn't say like maybe a year or two down the road that's another discussion we'll have a few months uh a few months later but do you see the Bruins uh being in a spot where they're eventually going to alter this Pretty much 50 split you've seen so far from Jeremy Swayman to Lena Salmark.
1: I don't see them altering it as much as maybe who you project as your one A and your one B might be. I mean, you know, if push were if push came to shove today, Jeremy Swayman's getting game one. Now, granted, they have they have seventy more games to go until you have to make that decision. A lot can change, obviously, but. I think Swayman has come out of the gate flying. You know, he's come out of the gate much like Linus Omar came out of the gate a year ago where he just looks like he's on a different level. And you have this confidence when he's in net that they're going to find a way to win the game. And what's really interesting about that is that, you know, Swayman has a 952. Linus has a 926. Like, it's not like he's playing poorly. <laughs> it's Like, that's a number that any team you know, would kill to have as a regular number right now, you know, from their goaltender. So I just think that right now, you know, it's like last year, but it's kind of flipped where, where I think that Swayman's just been undeniable out of the gate. And, you know, I do weigh the competition, not to say that Lena Zolmark has played only bad teams, but when you're Jeremy Swayman and you're missing half your NHL defense and you turn in some great outings, against Toronto and against Dallas, like that means something, you know, that, that really does mean something. And so I just think he's been incredible. So I don't know if I'm changing the, the start calculation. I feel like they have that down and they, they, they have a sweet spot internally that they want to get both guys to, or not have them, you know, eclipse, so to speak. But I think maybe who is the one a and who is the one B like that's a legit conversation piece.
0: Yeah. No, especially when you're looking at the, Playoffs and again we're probably jumping the gun or at least I am in terms of looking ahead at that and you know I think you make a good point if it's game one it's probably swimming right now but maybe keep that rotation going in the playoffs and seeing what exactly you get because uh, that is one of the many second guesses you're you're taking back from that that series against Florida and it's one of those things too where employing like a, a goalie rotation in the playoffs does seem like it's something that a lot of teams really haven't done but what an advantage you have if you have two number one guys and what of a what how much of a nightmare is it for the opposing team when you don't have the game plan for one you know potential vesna candidate there but you got two guys there of just how much tougher that overall makes the game plan so um yeah i think you're gonna hit the nail on the head where i don't know this is going to be something where we need swayman to get you know a 60 40 split or what have you but if it's the baseline conversations are like who's your number one right now, who's your 1A, right now it seems like it is Jeremy Swayman um, for, for just how, how strong he's been out of the gate. But another thing I've kind of noticed, Ty, is amid the discourse or conversations about how strong Jeremy Swayman has been, you're seeing some of those discussions pop back up, uh, whether it's on uh, social media or what have you, about Linus Olmark and whether or not the Bruins should look at moving this guy now uh, in terms of just this season. You know, people mentioned that Swayman's, you know, taking a huge step forward in his development. Omar could get you a solid return uh, at the deadline when teams are desperate for goaltending. I mean, hell, look at what Edmonton Oilers are doing right now. Like, Holy Christ, that's not great. Um, But I I think we're probably more or less on the same wavelength, right? Where as much as, you know, that is a scenario that could play out if you're just looking at areas of need, uh, you know, subtracting from areas of strength from your own roster, that gives you an impact player or, or a lot of draft capital. I can't see that being a really feasible thing happening this year, both in terms of all contract and just how important you need those two guys locked in this season.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm not touching it. It's, it's sort of, it's a great thing. Don't fiddle with it. And, you know the idea that you have to not have a, a tandem that's been strong as hell. I I just I don't agree with that. I don't subscribe to that notion that you can't have two great goaltenders. I think especially when you're a team like the Bruins and you're not as deep down the middle. You're you're not as deep, I would say, on defense as you were a year ago. In the sense that life without McAvoy, you're it's been it's been kind of illuminating in terms of how yeah. thin your margin of error really is. Where you lose one of your horses and then a couple uh complimentary pieces. And I know that's half a defense, but, you know, you think about that and, you know, now you have to rely on your goaltending to win you games every night. You know, you think about that, think about that loss in Detroit, you know, I thought Linus did his job for about 50 minutes, <laughs> you know, like that, yeah. like that, that should win you most games. You know, I felt personally, so I'm not messing with it. You know, they have such a good rapport, such a good chemistry And I know people out there say, no, no, you don't do a rotation in the playoffs. Well, if there's one team that could and one team that should, it's the Boston Bruins. And, you know, I'm even starting to believe personally that the days of a 16-win goaltender are kind of starting to fade out of frame, you know, and and it doesn't have to necessarily be because you're splitting time. But, you know, Vegas went through three goalies last playoffs because of injuries, The year before that, the Avalanche had a soldier on without Darcy Kemper for a little bit there. I think I think they had a win, I think, I want to say three or four games without him. So, you know, your two most recent cup winners have not had 16 game horses. They've they've gotten there on the back of one guy, but they've ultimately needed both. And so, and I think the other part of that, you know, is that I don't think Brandon Bussey is being undeniable down in Providence. And, right. and for them to be comfortable with that move, you need to have that guy knocking on the door with a 960 saying, let me in. I'm not going, I'm not staying in <laughs> Providence. Make room for me. I don't think you've seen that yet. And, and I just think, I don't think either one of these guys, Linus or Swayman, is necessarily a, a 55 to 60 game workhorse, especially if you want them to be up upright for four rounds. So I'm not messing with it personally.
0: Yeah. I even look at like, you kind of mentioned the fact that, yes, it's not maybe traditional that you have a, a full rotation in the the playoffs or what have you, even if like guy has a great game and you still want to swap those things out. Like, yeah, maybe that's unconventional. Maybe that's something you don't see every day, but like, I don't know. It's a different sport. I know, but it's like, I don't know. Look at like the, my, uh, the Golden State Warriors like death lineup where everyone was like six, eight and below hitting threes. If you showed that to, I'm not even talking about, like, old-ass, like, the 60s Celtics where, like, Bob Cousy did one move and defenses crumble. crumbled. I'm talking about, like, 80s basketball. You showed that. People were like, yeah, you can't win like that. Bunch of small guys just hitting threes. Like, right. games games evolve. And if it's whatever putting your team, your unique roster, your personnel, and the best spots to succeed, I mean, hell, we could, you know, be going into the playoffs this year and you'll get this Bruins team. They could have two Vezina winners in two, two different Vezina winners in back-to-back years. Like, that's how it's looking right now. I know Demko has been great in Vancouver and we got a long season to go, but you could be looking at that spot. Like this is not a conventional roster of the way it's built and what this broom team needs to kind of rely on in terms of those guys. But I think even in the regular season, I think there's something you've mentioned before as to why this team is so good at avoiding long stretches of, you know, a, a one, two, and two stretch or what have you is that even like, you know, we know what's going to happen. Inevitably, uh, goaltenders are going to hit lulls. Having the luxury of having someone like Old Mark and Swamin to play off each other, that if things do go awry, like these guys never run cold at the same time. So, again, we're going to have a bump in the road with a guy like Swayman, a bump in the road with Mark. What prevents you from really sliding, especially when you have this team that, as you said, has a really small margin forever, has a lot of younger players, is having two guys that can really bail you out even when a lot of shit doesn't really go your way. And having that is something that I don't think you can replicate. Even if trading Omar gets you maybe a piece or something that can build fill out another area, it's not worth what the insurance is of having someone like Omar in place uh, for this season.
1: Yeah, and the other part of that too is that uh, how sold are you that you're going to get a a worthwhile return? And and that was sort of the the biggest issue. You know, read re between the lines last summer is that everyone knew the Bruin situation. Everyone knew their cap space nightmare. And nobody was offering them anything good for their goaltending. And at a certain point, you realize, okay, you know what? This is worth more to us than it is on the trade market. And whether that's fair or not, I mean, that's the economic reality of this league and a lot for a lot of teams. I mean, I don't really think a lot of teams out there are going to be able to stomach trading a first round pick plus for one of these guys, which is what the Bruins should get. If the Bruins are trading Lena Solmarker, or trading Jeremy Swayman, they should be getting a first-round plus-plus, in my opinion. Like, that's, that is that is kind of how I, I look at it because that's how valuable these guys are. And so if you're not getting that, it's a non-starter for me. And I don't think you're going to get that from the Kings or the Oilers. Like, as desperate as they may be, that feels like an off-season trade more than a deadline trade for a multitude of reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. and also not to
0: be forgotten in this whole you know potential scenario you know Solmark with a modified no trade clause i believe uh i don't think he wants to go to edmonton that's just a hunch again i don't know maybe he loves edmonton maybe he loves going to the mall up there that is also something that i think plays into it that uh i think lena's really likes where he is right now and that is just another thing that i mean hell what was that Tori krug uh didn't he nix a trade uh with his uh no trade clause like during the off season like that is something that players don't have just for the sake of having it. Like, that is something that can uh, curtail a trade or what have you as well. So uh, yeah. that's, de- that's definitely something to keep tabs on as well.
1: Yeah, there's the idea that, oh, you'll just say yes because you don't want to stay in a city where they don't necessarily want you. No, well, those trade protections are in there for a reason. Like, some guys, not to say they're spiteful, but they will be, you know, sort of like... No, you signed me to this contract. I want to be here. Figure it out how I stay, but I'm not going. And that's again, that's wealth in their rights. Like it's in the rights of a team to try to move a player. So I think many people incorrectly subscribe to the idea that, oh, well, anyone's going to waive their no trade if they're not wanted. No, no guys will stay. If they have homes and families and kids, they will stay.
0: Absolutely. So again, as intriguing as it is to talk about the, the goalie tandem being broken up or shifting drastically, even the swimming keeps on posting shutouts and really strong performances. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, so we still have more to talk about uh, with this uh, win over the Dallas Stars. But before we kind of dive into maybe some of the younger players that impressed on Monday night, uh, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, that you can bet on anything. You wanna bet on how many wins the Patriots are gonna have this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many shutouts Jeremy Swayman's going to have this season. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit fanduel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present and mass. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non rollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to our good friends and sponsors over at FanDuel. All right, Ty, let's uh, talk about some of the younger players that impressed uh, on Monday night in Dallas. Starting with Mason Lorai, a guy that I think everyone is enamored with uh, off of just, you know, the tangible production is there, right? Gets gets an assist against Toronto, plays over 20 minutes, scores his first goal in Dallas. It's easy to, I think, be really impressed by what his skill set is, right? I mean, there's a lot of puck moving offensively gifted defenseman, not a whole lot that are also six, five, right. In terms of what he can bring. Um, but I do find it interesting. Like we'll talk, I think a few weeks down the road as to where exactly this decor all gets sorted out. Once McAvoy and Forbert and and grizzly come back, but people who I think are operating with the fact that, you know, Loray scores a goal and all of a sudden he's, he's all set. Don't have to go back down to Providence. Like he is locked in for an NHL spot, uh, this season, uh, I don't really see that being a a foregone conclusion because, again, as talented as he is, and I think he's really accelerated his developmental timeline, still has a few things to work on, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about it. On Monday night, he gets benched for the final stretch of the game. After Dallas makes it a one-goal game, he's riding the pine. It's not happening in Providence. It, it, you know, if it's Providence, he's right back out there because those are developmental minutes, and I think that is sort of – I think what people tend to have a hard time grasping, and I say that with no malice, but at the end of the day, NHL coaches want to win. So, yeah, it's easy for us to sit here on the couch and say, hey, uh, put him right back out there. But it's it's another thing to execute it as a coach. uh, These guys want to win. And, and, you know, if you're going to be making mistakes in your own zone and the puck's going to end up in the back of your net or you're going to get hemmed in, a coach is going to sit you down. Like at, at this level, they're going to sit you down. It doesn't matter how good you've been to that point. It doesn't matter what your ceiling is as a prospect. They're going to try to win that night's game. That's their job. Their job isn't player development. It's part of their job, sure, but on a night-to-night basis, it's not what they do. And so, you know, I, I think that there's a little bit of, of watching with our hearts versus our eyes when it comes to Mason Loi and his readiness right now. Um, I see a player who has tons of room to grow, especially defensively, and there's nothing wrong with that, unless you stick him on a third pairing, playing him 14 minutes a night in Boston, because that's not going to help him. He needs he needs minutes and reps and learning the pro game. I again, I think people grossly misunderestimate just how new he is to a defense and be the, ga- the pro game, the pro game. Like like he needs some time. He needs some seasoning. It's great. The meal is going to be delicious, but you got to let it marinate. You got to let it finish cooking. I don't think he's done cooking for as good as he's been. And I think also, I think saying that is, is not, it's not an indictment on him. It's reality. This time last year, he's playing Ohio in Ohio State. You know, this time two years ago, he was, or two and a half years ago, he's in juniors. Like, it, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to say that he needs a bit more time. And so I think that's where he's at. I mean, you see the skill set it's there. It's very raw though. And and when you mix a very raw skill set with a team that wants to win now, that's how you lead to kind of some some iffy development on the fly, I think. And that's kind of where you don't want to be if you're the Bruins.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at his skill set and how intriguing he is. I mean, hell, like if he hits a ceiling as a six, five guy that can play heavy minutes and can really generate a lot of offense, like you've got to, like a John Carlson on your hands, which not a lot of teams have. And the Bruins would love to have a guy like that in, in their lineup. But as you said, I think that game against Dallas is like the perfect way of mapping out just why Providence shouldn't be viewed as like being sent to the gulag. Right. Because as you said, Jim Montgomery and the Bruins are trying to win. Like he has that goal, but if you're going to make a few lapses in the D zone, you're not going to stick him out there. Like if that's in Providence and he has that in a game against Hartford or or Springfield, yeah, he's still gonna play. He's still gonna finish with twenty four minutes and he take the good and the bad because down there the main focus beyond just obviously doing well down there is uh development and getting guys, you know, to fight through these challenges. You know, like same with a guy like Fabian Lysell, all those players down there, it's geared primarily towards developing and then going through the ups and the downs of the season. The Bruins can't necessarily afford to have that same you know, amount of rope for some of their younger players, you know, if, if these guys are going to had those lapses and Laura's a guy that, as you said, he's got a fascinating development kind of path. That he only started playing defense a couple of years ago. Like he's kind of like the, it's um, kind of like Anthony Davis, where he was like a six-one guard, then just got huge over one summer and kind of that. Again, he has the skill set where he kind of plays like a guard, but the size makes him a really unique player. It's kind of the same thing with Laura and how he handles the puck and how shifty he is, and you know that skill set on the on the back end. Not a lot of guys have that, but if he's going to learn on the fly, and again, like, hell, he could replicate and have a few more games like he did against Toronto and kind of steer that conversation or really shore up his game. But if he's going to be, you know, on the road and teams have last change and they're going to be feasting on whatever D pair he's on, and it's going to, again, it's one thing where if he's going to be kind of always, you know, trying to stay above water, but if he's going to be playing 14 minutes a night and be sheltered or not being put in spots to succeed, There's nothing wrong with sending down to Providence for a little bit. That's not to say that you're sent down there and you're banished there for the year. Like, hell, this guy could be back up in January February for a full-time role. He keeps on making those steps forward.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the main point that I want to emphasize is that I don't think through three games he's done anything to necessarily make the Bruin situation or, or decision more difficult. And and when I say that, I mean, I don't think he's making them think, oh, we got to trade Derek Forbert or we got to trade like or we got to wave Kevin Shattenkirk. Like, I don't see that part of it happening just yet. And And sure. Listen, like you're going to have one more game without Charlie McAvoy. You're going to have probably four or five more games without Matt Grislick. Like, so he has a chance here to make it interesting. It, it, it's just right now. I don't think that he is making them sweat to the point where they go, we got to make a, 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 a secondary move here, especially when, you know, the, the, the end goal as it currently stands is, Oh, he goes down to Providence and just plays uh 10 more minutes per night. Oh, and by the way, we don't have to trade or wave anybody. Like this is a team that I, I think people I never thought during training camp when he was making his late push, and I'm not sure how you feel about this. I never once got got the sense that the Bruins were eager to trade a defenseman off their roster. It's it's just it goes against their organizational MO. Like mm-hmm they are obsessed with their defensive depth because it goes out the window every postseason. Think about how many playoff runs they've had to go 10 deep into their bag. They have an extremely limited interest in trading defensemen. And so the idea that, oh, they're going to make a trade to make room for Lori, I thought it was crazy back in September. I thought it was far-fetched in October, and I think it's far-fetched now. I I don't think that they have the, the, the pressing need or the, the, the pressing feeling that they need to do this quite like some fans do online. I'm not sure how you feel about it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm still haunted by, what was it, the Ottawa series when you had, I mean, what was it, like Tommy Cross, great guy, even for a BC guy, great guy. Joe Morrow, these guys, like, that was like a, a big chunk of what your decor was in that playoff series. Like, that is always what's lodged in the back of my mind. That happens every single year, every single post. You need as many guys as possible that even if, you know, it's all about... I think we get to the playoffs. people are obsessed with, like, the starters, the labels of what these guys are. You're going to need every single guy to pull on the rope at some point in a playoff series to, to succeed. So, again, looking down the road, barring whatever moves are made at the deadline, what have you, you're going to need a guy like Derek Fulbert to be pressed into the lineup for PK work if need be. like where he can play on the left or right side, that puck-moving talent, there's value there. If Lowry right takes a big step forward, you'll take that. Shattenkirk, like all these guys, the guy who's – been there before with a team like Tampa who needed a kind of a revamp after a crushing first or an exit, all those guys are not anyone that I think you look at them and be like, yeah, that fifth round pick, you know, let's clear space for Lorai. Like, again, you shouldn't take that mindset of we need to subtract a useful NHLer off of our roster just to accommodate Lorai. If, if Lorai pushes, uh, whether it's now or months down the road, like, that's great, and that is a great problem to have. But that also should you know, force you to then just move a useful piece for pennies on the dollar.
1: Yeah, and the other part of it too, Connor, is that listen, we all know that if they need a spark or they need an actual defensive upgrade in game two or game three, it's going to be Lowry. It's not going to be Ian Mitchell. It's not. It's not going to be Parker Watherspoon. It's going to be Mason Lowry. But what happens between now and then? I I wouldn't speak in any sort of definitive nature in terms of like, he's got to be here or he's got to be in Providence. I'm just trying to bring to the conversation that he's been good. He had a great game, I thought, against Toronto. Since then, little iffy. I would not be speaking like he's a a stone-cold lock to be with this team for the rest of the season. I think there's a bit too much of that going on right now. Uh, The narrative around him, I just think he's still so raw. He's got talent like crazy. It's just... You want to make sure you're putting that talent in the best situation to succeed. You also don't want to be in the, in the business of, and we've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure you don't want to be in the business of having to repair confidence. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something you gotta be mindful of with all right too, is that putting him in the best situations to succeed. And I think that means giving him minutes and minutes and minutes. And I, I don't think he's going to get that, you know, if, and when this team is fully healthy, especially when they get, you know, on the left side, when you get Matt Grizzly and Derek forward back that eats into his, all situation minutes, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. It'll be so, definitely something fascinating to watch, especially once they start getting more healthy bodies back there on the blue line. Um, and Before we wrap things up, obviously you look at the rest of the younger players. We, the Bruins have on the roster. Matt Potter takes a lot of the, the headlines there, but man, guy that has been maybe the steadiest in terms of what exactly his role is. Uh, again, maybe not flashy, but Johnny Beecher, Good to see him get rewarded with a great goal against Dallas, but you look at just the way I think he's playing in that role, how good he's been on faceoffs, and really how impressive that fourth line of him, Dan Heinen, that's his first point, great play by him, uh, and Austin Steen, like, he's providing a, a spark on that fourth line with also a, a group of linemates that if you asked us before the year if that was a, a group that could really make an impact, like, we looked at Lucic and Lauko as being the perfect compliments for what a guy like Beecher can bring, but Beecher, for what his role is, has been really, really solid out of the gate.
1: Yeah, and uh, and honestly, I felt like he needed that goal on yeah. Monday night. A- and I-, I say that not because he's been bad, per se, but but let's be real. That line has has lacked a little bit of pop since losing Lucic and Lauco. A- and so to get Beecher kind of going without those players, I think, is, b- is big for his confidence. I think it's – you know, that's a great goal, too. Like, that's not – you know, he kept joking after the game, I thought my goal was going to be worse. No, that's a, that's a skillful goal. I mean, that that that's a goal that, you know, I, I think is not your average fourth line center sniping sniping at home, especially against a great goaltender like Jake Ottinger. Like, so I think it's huge. I think it's huge for his confidence. Um, you look at his deployment, the way they use him, the night that they had in general, you know, you mentioned the Heinen, Beecher, Steen line. The night they had in general was incredible especially matched yeah. up against who they were matched up against. Like, like that's, that's big. If this line independent of who are the wings are, can be utilized as a defensive stopper. Oh man, you just, ha- you just, now you have to worry about 10 fewer minutes, you know, over mm-hmm. the course of a 60 minute night. And, and that's, again, we've talked about the margins for this team. That's gigantic. Not having to worry about that is huge. I've loved John Beecher's PK work. I've loved it. Yeah. And, and so you know, if he can continue to round out his game and become more of a scoring threat, you know, at 5-on-5, five five, on the kill. Like, I think when he and DeBrusque are together, that is that can be a fun combo to watch shorthanded in terms of their ability to create some offense. So, it's great to see, to see Beecher finally on the board. Um Heinen, I think, you know, for those of you guys who are not watching with your 2019-20 blinders on, he's been very good. He's been making plays. You know, it's been three games, I know, but or four games now, he's making plays. He looks good, and, and, and I think that, you know, he gets something tangible on Monday night with the assist. Um, but things are happening when he's on the ice, and, and they've been good for the Bruins. So I like the complexion of that fourth line right now. It'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, once Lucic and Lauko come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to imagine Heinen just becomes your, thir- your 13th uh, forward, and then you send down, you know, whoever, whether it's Steen Brown, However, that all shakes out, but I think you're getting value add from that line. And I think, uh, John Beecher is a big reason why, and it's just great to see him finally get some production to get out of maybe his head, not to say he was in it, but it avoids that from, I think, festering, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I think even look at that, he had that shorthanded chance. I believe it was during the the home loss to Anaheim where he had that shorthanded look yes. and I, I think brings off the post. And I, as you said, I think him and DeBrus together, that seems like a duo that is. Destined for at least uh, one or two really impressive shorthanded goals this year to keep on playing to that level, but be really fascinating to see how that fourth line uh, does pan out. Because again, Heinen's been really solid out of the gate, right? Like if he's either fights for a spot over a guy like Glauco, or it ends up being your 13th forward, he's a guy that I think you can slot in there and it brings value. I mean, he even had didn't get an assist on it, but him uh, diving for that puck and keeping it in, regaining possession, helped lead up to that goal. The the Carlo to soccer goal against Toronto as well. Like he does those little things that, you know, as much people think that he's just a, a blank slate out there. Like he makes those small hustle plays or those plays across, you know, along the board that contribute to winning plays. He's like, Gen high. kind of like Marcus smart in a way, right? Makes yes. those small little winning plays. Maybe not as bombastic as Marcus smart, but does the, the little things that can maybe doesn't lead to a secondary helper or what have you, but always does contribute. So
1: definitely. He's, he's, like, a, he's like a cheap Kike Hernandez. You know there what I mean? Like, like it's like Kike before he got the money. You know what yes. I mean? You can put him anywhere and you're like, all right, we're we're okay right here. That's fine. You know, listen, it's great if he goes all star on you. He's probably not gonna. I think that was two years ago in Pittsburgh, and that's probably the last time you're gonna see that. But uh what I loved quickly on Beecher, what I loved is that uh season high, 13 minutes of time on ice Monday, his worst face off game of the season, but yeah. he finds a way to impact the game. Like that's that's growth. That like winning faceoffs was his ticket to this roster. It wasn't with him on Monday night, but he finds another way to impact the game. That's a sign of a guy who's adapting to the pro game, adapting to what it takes to, to, to stick at this level and moving forward. So I really, I, I, I that's what impressed me the most. I think about his performance Monday was that his bread and butter so far out of the gate wasn't there and it was arguably still his best game as a pro, which I think that that means something that really does.
0: Absolutely. So it will be definitely really interesting to see how guys like Beecher, Lorai, Patra, all the young guys especially continue to kind of develop and grow over these next couple of games, especially going into a game against uh, the New York Islanders, which again, they refuse to play Sorokin. We'll see if that happens once again. I don't know what it is with the Islanders not wanting to play him, but uh, definitely something worth keeping tabs on for that that home game on Thursday night. But I think that will wrap up uh, our latest episode of Poke the Bear. Uh, Ty, where can we find all of your great work on the well, internet? You,
1: you can find it on nine, eight, five dot which I believe we're getting a website redesign. I'm not sure if it's gone live yet, but I've heard okay. rumblings of that happening. So uh, hopefully it's all there. Hopefully it doesn't get lost in the internet uh, during a changeover. So that that'd be no good. Um, no but yes, yeah, so no you, you can find me there. Uh, you can also find me on X at at underscore ty anderson s o n, not s e n. In case you're ever curious. Uh, and yeah, we'll be there just being a goof, being a dummy and having some fun. So catch, catch me there anytime.
0: Absolutely. And if you guys want to read any of my stuff, go to boston.com, uh, Boston globe, and you can also find all of my gifs and tweets and all the, all the other shenanigans on X or Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it at Connor Ryan, underscore 93. So that'll do it for our latest episode of poke the bear. I'm Connor Ryan. That's Ty Anderson. Thank you guys for listening.